It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Hello and welcome to episode 244 of section 138 I'm your host, Mark Cawley as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. We're back after a couple weeks off, and we've got two moves to talk about with the Toronto Blue Jays. They signed Chris Bassett, and right after we wrapped up recording last time around, they signed Kevin Kiermaier, which was just perfect timing on our part. But the Blue Jays are making some progress towards a team that they want to have at the start of the 2023 season. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Doing good, guys. Uh, Christmas is almost here. The holidays have approached. And yes, you were talking about that ever since we last recorded. The Jays have made some moves. Obviously, the Chris Bassett was definitely the biggest move they've made. And of course, throughout baseball, it's also been wild. I think in the two-week duration, Carlos Correa has been a giant. And then he's now a Met to, I guess, close off the year. So that's obviously one of the top contracts that have been handed out uh, this offseason. But yeah, it's been definitely... Somewhat a little bit more exciting than before uh, when, we, when we've been recording, and now we have some actual stuff to talk about. So it is definitely going to be a good one today. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I think it's a little bit better that we we finished right when the Kiermaier contract ended because we had no idea what the exact details were or what his role was, and now we actually can talk about that. So at least there's a you know a positive. But I, I do find it funny that we didn't even start the processing of the of the, any of the footage, and then I we look at our chat and then Kier Myers is assigned to the Blue Jays. But you know what? We can at least talk about what he's going to be, uh, what he's going to do on this team. So I think that's a little bit of a positive, but yeah, it was, it was surprisingly active couple of weeks and it looks like it might be done for the year, but I mean, at least the Blue Jays are, are in a better spot than when we last recorded. It really was as close as possible to the us finishing the episode. We signed off on our zoom chat and about two minutes after that, we get the news that Kevin Kiermaier is signing with the Blue Jays. But uh, let's start with the Chris Bassett deal because that was the bigger piece of news over the last two weeks. The Blue Jays signed him to a three-year, $63 million deal. Um, it includes a limited no-trade clause. Um, he can choose eight teams each year that he doesn't want to be traded to. So that's an asset in his camp. Um, you know, he's a reliable starter. He's not a front-of-the-line guy, but he's a guy who's going to give you innings in the back end of your rotation, 3.42 ERA last season with the Mets. He had previously spent five years with the Oakland Athletics. Um, last season, started 30 games, struck out 167 batters, walked only 49. Um, he declined a qualifying offer earlier this offseason from the Mets, meaning the Blue Jays will have to give up a draft pick in the 2023 draft, and they'll also have to give up some international bonus pool space as a result of that. Um, I mean, ultimately, like a middle-of-the-rotation guy, the Blue Jays weren't looking for a front-of-the-rotation guy. They have that in Kevin Gosman, they have that in Alec Manoa, and Chris Bassett is the type of guy who's going to complement Jose Brios. He is going to either complement or replace Yusei Kikuchi, and I think is probably a Ross Stripling-type guy, if we're comparing it to that. I know Ross Stripling is officially no longer a Blue Jay signing with the San Francisco Giants. At least they signed someone this offseason. But um, Chris Bassett seems to be that type of guy for the Blue Jays, a guy who's going to slide in third or fourth in the rotation, give them innings, give them reliable starts, but, I, I mean, probably not the highest quality of starts. Yeah, I mean, it's 
honestly, I don't really think that there's anything against this. I mean, when I heard this, I, I said in our chat, my, my infamous, is this an emergency recording scenario? Because every time the Blue Jays sign someone, I'm like, oh, is this, is this the next big guy? But I mean, it, I kind of look at it that way. Like, yeah, it's a middle of the rotation starter, but the Blue Jays desperately needed somebody. And I know they were talking about Stripling or they were talking to Stripling a little bit more interest, like literally just before we started recording our last episode. And then they didn't really do anything. And I think that might've been more of Stripling wanting to go elsewhere. And I know we like Toronto. We put out a post on social media, thanking everybody, although it's kind of standard at this point. You, you see that all the time, but I think he truly did consider coming back. And then he obviously didn't. He went to the Giants, but if you're the Blue Jays, it I, I don't really think that this is a bad move. You go out and you get your middle of the rotation guy who, I mean, when you look at these numbers, he easily could be a top two starter. I mean, if you don't have Gosman or, or, or Manoa, he would be one of your top two. And I know that's, you know, no disrespect to him. And I know he's on the, the team, so I don't want to knock the own, the team that I like, but that wouldn't be your, that wouldn't be your ideal top two starter, but he's a, perfect fit for a top three and if he is your top three behind Bre behind Manoa and Gosman I don't know why I keep thinking of Barrios but he's well Barrios is gonna have a comeback hopefully but basically the numbers that Chris Bassett has put up if he's your third starter behind a guy who was just below a Cy Young award win win and then you get a guy like Kevin Gosman who had like one of the best pitches out of anybody in all of baseball last season, then I don't really think that this is a bad rotation at all. And yeah, it's hard to compete with a rotation like the Mets or the Yankees, but this is like, if you look at it, just top three, even top four, if, if Jose Barrios can rebound and not quite literally have the worst ERA out of all qualified starters, then this is a very solid rotation. And there's another guy that I've been talking about year in and year out. Nate Pearson is doing a lot better in the off season. I'm hoping this is finally the year. It, who knows? Let's not really count him in just yet, but I'm not going to count him out either. And more on the guys that are actually here. You look at numbers like this. Realistically, like you're getting consistently low threes, maybe mid threes ERA out of out of him. You're getting a lot of starts too. Like Mark, you mentioned 30 starts last season, 27 the year before. 2020, not really going to count. Only made 11, but still, he's making a lot. 28 the year before. This is a guy who, similar to... The, basically the top three that the Blue Jays had last season, Barrios, Manoa, Gosman, and Stripling too, to, to a different extent, played pretty much every five days. And that's what this team needs. They need consistent pitching from guys. And especially if you're in, you know, I mean, they did get swept in the wildcard series, but if you go into the division or the World Series or the Championship Series, you need three to four, if not, maybe not five, but at least three to four starters that can go out every three to four days potentially like you saw Stroman go every I think game two and game five one series Estrada did it a couple times like you basically need a, a legitimate starting four if you want to compete for a world series and that's what Chris Bassett said he wants to win a world series with this team I think it's it is possible the team is still needs to make some improvements it's not perfect yet unfortunately but if you look at the rotation I think realistically you pray to God that that fifth spot is not a throwaway every five games, but I think from a top four perspective, it does not get any better than this. Well, and that's what makes the addition of Bassett so important because you're talking about that the whole concern of the fifth spot, which you're completely right about. But the problem is, is you know, as we kind of got the indication, of just 
from the start, it didn't feel necessarily, I would say, likely that Rod Stripling would come back. And then in that way, technically, before Bassett comes in, you have two spots to fill. And, of course, bringing in Bassett prevents both of the four and five spots to be throwaway like you were talking about, Jacob. So that's what's so important with it, with Chris Bassett. I mean, you guys talked about it. A very well-established starter uh, throughout his career, obviously, mostly in Oakland. And, of course, he spent last year with the Mets. And he was kind of a guy, uh, Mark, I think he pretty much nailed it on the head in terms of that. He's kind of a quietly good starter for the middle of your rotation, perhaps complementing the back half, depending on if he's the third or fourth with Barrios. One of those two will be three or four. And I guess that'll kind of be determined throughout the spring um, if, obviously, all goes well with both of them. So... That's the one thing about that. And then, of course, you look at his pitches. I think he throws about six pitches. And the one thing that he really relies on, uh, I believe it's his cutter. And the other good part about him is that he gives up a lot of ground balls. We know that Matt Chapman's behind him. And I think there was a clip circulating um, on social media. It was about a minute and 30 uh, of Matt Chapman grounding uh, Chris Bassett's uh, play or ground balls when they were both in Oakland uh, a few years ago. So they're reunited in Toronto, which is really great news. We know how good Matt Chapman is, of course, behind or in the infield and behind Chris Bassett. It's going to be even more of a fit for Bassett because of the fact that he gives up a lot of ground balls with that. Of course, he relies on a sinker as well, just as much or probably the most out of all of his pitches. And of course, his cutter is something that's really good. Um, and again, something that he relies along or relies on a lot. So that's really important with that. The other thing too, is when you look at the contract, when you give him three years and it was $63 million, just the market itself this winter to me, as much as some people have called it an overpay, I just, I think it just comes down to the fact that that's what it was going to take to get him. And, you know, we know that money, time and time again, they uh, the team comes out and says money's not an issue. We know we look at the payrolls because, of course, the New York Mets pretty much making history with spending this offseason. But you see the payrolls in baseball, and I believe the Jays were, the last time I looked, they were sixth. So either way, at worst, uh, they're top ten in terms of a payroll. So when they say that money's not an issue... They are proving it in a way by, I guess, having a payroll that high. And I believe, too, it's either this year or next year where they're actually going to be approaching or surpassing the first luxury tax penalty. So there's more proof that this is something that the Jays are very serious about in terms of money not being an issue. And I believe that would be a first as well. Uh, in franchise history with this team spending. So I'm not too concerned with that in terms of the price that it took to get Bassett to come here. Uh, again, it's really it's a really good addition. And now when you look at the fifth spot, or of course the four spots, uh, including Bassett, it's solidified, of course, uh, for the next couple of years and pretty much at least the next couple of years. And then now you have the fifth spot, which is, as of now, either Yusei Kikuchi or Mitch White. And we know that the Jays are still kind of poking around some starters out there. I think a popular name that I've seen a few times, and Mark, I'm sure you've seen it as well on Twitter, is Johnny Cueto. And of course, there's other guys out there that could potentially benefit this team for the fifth spot. So those are options. Uh, Jacob, I know you were mentioning possibly Nate Pearson. I personally think you're looking at the wrong prospect uh, for that spot at some point in the summer, Mark. I know who you, I definitely know that you know who I'm talking about uh, in terms of somebody that could potentially join that rotation at some point in the season. I think Nate Pearson has reached the level now of just being a strong bullpen arm, and I think that was the entire idea for him last year as well. And when he was trying to come back his or a few times before suffering setback after setback, it was strictly out of the bullpen, and I think really that's going to be the best fit for him going forward because, unfortunately, of his durability and his health and the question marks that that do bring with or that do come along with it. And when you look at it, the potential impact he does have in the bullpen, of course, 
I mean, the guy that can throw almost 100 with this fastball, we talk about swing and miss, that's going to be a really good fit in the bullpen. I just think that's where pretty much their, I think their priorities lie in terms of how they're focusing the future with Nate Pearson. And then, of course, with Chris Bassett coming in, it leaves that one spot now uh, a question mark rather than having those two spots because, of course, Ross Stripling goes out and goes to the San Francisco Giants. And now, knowing what Stripling got, though, of course, what he got with the Giants, it really shows you why uh, Ross Stripling didn't get a qualifying offer from the Jays. And we were under the indication the entire offseason or right before it started that he was going to get a qualifying offer. And we were talking about that, especially the episodes that, uh, Mark, you and I were doing in terms of Ross Stripling getting a qualifying offer or not. So maybe a bit surprised from our standpoint uh, about him not getting one. And I guess just coming down to the fact, I guess we kind of, in a way, misread his market. He gets $25 million for two seasons, which come with an opt-out after one. So if all goes well again with the Giants, of course, if Stripling has a similar season, you better believe he's going to opt out and try and get more. But of course, he has that option too. If things don't exactly work out for him and he comes back to earth a little bit, he can just opt in again and uh, make that $12.5 million to be a starter or potentially you know, somebody who has the ability to come out of the bullpen. But I think the one thing, as much as it's bittersweet seeing Ross Stripling go and having Chris Bassett come in, um, Ross Stripling, we ta- we spoke about it so many times last year, he was in doubt, or no question, the savior of the rotation in terms of losing Hunjin Ryu and being that guy to help pick up uh, a down season from Jose Barrios because pretty much the entire season, it was Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman leading the way. And then Ross Stripling emerged around late April when uh, Hunjin Ryu was officially shut down. And then each start that he had, he continued and continued to pitch better. And then he got more leeway. He would go out longer than four innings. He would get sometimes three times through the order. He was really that true savior for the rotation. I think we're all going to miss him a dear lot. And you wish nothing but the best for Ross Stripling um, when he, as he moves on to the San Francisco Giants. But it's bittersweet. You bring in Chris Bassett, on the other hand, again, somebody who is a well-established starter, somebody who is quietly underrated, who can be solidifying that starting rotation in the middle. And of course, another important part that you touched on a bit, Jacob, is hoping for a Jose Barrios bounce back, which I think we're all in majority of, of terms of being confident that can be the case. And I, it's in for me personally, I can speak to that as well, that I am confident of Jose Barrios having that bounce back season. So if you assume that happens and you assume Manoa and Gosman stay healthy and pitch well, that's four really good starters. And of course, the fifth spot still... Uh, yet to be decided in terms of what they do with that, but they definitely still have some options um, if they whatever they want to fill that uh, last area of concern with. Yeah, the rotation is certainly in good shape and a lot better shape than it was at the start of the offseason because you look at the situation the Blue Jays were in, losing Ross Stripling and then having to rely on Yusei Kikuchi for a spot. And then, like Jacob mentioned, like maybe someone like Nate Pearson, maybe you hope and pray that Ricky Tiedman comes up at some point in the season, but like. I, there's a lot of question marks if you don't go out and add someone like Chris Bassett, but the answers are starting to trickle in. Now you don't have to rely on someone like Nate Pearson or Tiedman. Now you can say, okay, we're going to have Yusei Kikuchi every fifth day, but we're going to have four really reliable starters, assuming Jose Brios does bounce back, which you're right, I think he will. Um, we're going to have four super reliable starters who can come out day in and day out. Give us a shot of winning four out of every five days, and I think... For a team of the Blue Jays' caliber, you know, not top of the league, but hoping to be in that same range within striking distance, I think that's probably, I don't want to say good enough, but close to being good enough this offseason. I I guess the next question is, 
are the Blue Jays done adding in the rotation? Like we talk about Johnny Cueto, that's someone that they've been rumored to be interested in. And I think he'd be a great addition at the back end of the rotation to kick Yusei Kikuchi out, to be honest. Like, that's what the Blue Jays are looking for right now. They're looking for a cost-friendly alternative that puts Yusei Kikuchi in the bullpen. Because for a team that wants to be where the Blue Jays are, you can't really be in a position where you're throwing... You say Kikuchi out there one every five days, and I know we talk about Jose Barrios bouncing back, but we really saw nothing out of Yusei Kikuchi that indicates that he's going to be better than he was last season, and I don't think the Blue Jays want to be in a position where they're entering a season with Yusei Kikuchi in the starting rotation. So I guess that's the next question. Are the Blue Jays done? Should they keep adding? How much more should they be willing to spend to knock Yusei Kikuchi out of the rotation, given what we know about their payroll already in that they're going to be top five in baseball and they're already surpassing the luxury tax a little bit you know it's it really is a little bit I think it's like two million dollars or three million dollars it's a really small amount that they're surpassing it by but they are bumping up against that threshold and so how much should the Blue Jays be willing to spend how aggressive should they be to knock Yusei Kikuchi out of the rotation well here's the thing it is right now December 22nd. I think it's fair to say that if there's no more moves made within the next day or two, we're probably not going to see anything till the end of the year, which then means you have January and a little bit of February before pitchers and catchers report. I highly doubt that we're going to see Yusei Kikuchi kicked out of that rotation. Like, I really don't. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to be the guy that preys on a, on a complete comeback from him. I'm not predicting it. I, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. But I think the Blue Jays might expect it to, or at least hope it it happens. And I think at this point, the team... Here's the thing. Okay, yes. If you say Kikuchi is your fifth starter, no disrespect to him, but that's that, that's tough. Like, that, that's not the greatest situation for you to be in. But I think there are other needs on this team. Like, you have other... Play, like, I know the outfield, when we're going to get to this, is sort of solidified. Not really, but... They still need another outfielder. I think it's safe to say that the bullpen maybe. I mean, it's going to get worked on all offseason, but the, the bullpen, I think, needs some addressing. I don't really know what you do in the infield, but, you know, there are other needs of this team. And I think that once you go out and get Chris Bassett, you're going to leave the rotation for a little bit. You're going to say, okay, we got our three definitely good starters, most likely a fourth good starter. And within the organization, we have a few guys, Mitch White, Yusei Kikuchi a few guys in the minors that could take over that fifth spot. I know none of them are necessarily great options or proven options, but if I'm looking at this from the perspective of the organization in the front office, I highly doubt that they necessarily go out and and treat the rotation as a necessity. I think that they're going to leave it for a little bit, maybe throughout spring training or just before. We'll see what they did. It was either last year or the season before where they went out and got Francisco Liriano for like a minor league deal. Didn't end up making the team, but they go out and get somebody, I think they got other guys too, but that was just the big name that I remember, where they go out and get players, see if they can do something, a bit of an older guy, you guys mentioned Johnny Cueto, something like that, where they go out, if he doesn't make the team out of spring training, he's out of the organization, something like that, but as of right now, and for the next you know month and a half, even two months, if you want to put it that way, I don't see any moves being made for a solidified fifth starter, I think that it's kind of what they're going to do. They're going to roll with the the five, six guys that they have. And then if it doesn't go well, like I'm sure there will be moves later, like I mentioned, minor league moves. But 
I really, I think that there are other needs of this team that the Blue Jays are going to target right now, especially after going out and spending $60 million on Chris Bassett. Yeah, I think it does make sense, of course, for them to turn their attention to getting another outfielder, another lefty at bat, whatever it could be, um, and what remains of the offseason. However, I still hope at some point they still try and get one more uh, for the back end of the rotation. You guys mentioned it with Yusei Kikuchi, and I understand that you know, we basically are talking from the standpoint that, or at least Jacob, you were from what I was trying to interpret is that it's not a good fifth starter option, but you believe that he would still, I guess, be the guy, obviously, um, going into spring training for me. Like, I don't know how, I just don't know how you, how you tell your team that, or, or at least roll out with him like that every five days after pretty much exhausting every effort last year to turn his season around. And even we were, I mean, everyone was so optimistic when this happened and of course he had a few good starts in april may where we were really optimistic about and we were trying so desperately trying so hard to believe in the yusei kikuchi experiment and then it pretty much completely continued to take a nosedive and then of course it led to him being removed from the starting rotation so i don't think any of us have gotten any reason to believe that he can turn it around would it be a miracle would it be something that i guess could possibly happen sure but I don't think anybody has seen any sort of indication that that could be the case. And even Ross Atkins, for somebody who was so confident uh, in Yusei Kikuchi throughout the year last year, he even pretty much said at the winter meetings that they need to see more from him to be able to be sold on him being in the starting rotation. And from a guy from Ross Atkins who does, or pretty much has a lot to say in terms of saying nothing, he kind of did give a little bit of a, a hint on that, at least from what I took from it, that they're really looking to add uh, another legitimate starter uh, for that uh, reason alone. But of course, at the same time, yes, you have to pivot and t uh, turn to the outfield in terms of getting one more at-bat because as much as Kevin Kiermeyer is here, which we're going to talk about, the production of Teoscar Hernandez hasn't exactly been replaced uh, just yet either. So that's one thing they have to look forward to. And of course, we have the entire catching debate that just never seems to end at this point like I mean we're almost into January and we're still rolling with three catchers and it's still just an endless topic and I can't wait for this to be over in terms of the entire catching situation so we can move on from it because it definitely does get a bit exhausting at least from my standpoint but it's something that you just have to assume it's inevitable that's going to happen as well so yes while they have these other needs that they have to focus on and I completely agree that they need to focus on getting one more bat I still think you need to go into spring training with somebody else because if that's not the case and then you're relying on Yusei Kikuchi, he's likely going to have a short leash and then it's going to get to the point where you're relying on a prospect or two to be ready to come up that we've already touched on so far this episode. And of course, that kind of puts you in a waiting game and then really you're throwing out Kikuchi every five days and then... It's just we all know from personal experience last year of what that looked like. And I guess, you know, bringing in the bullpen too early because there was a lot of, uh, I guess, cases or a lot of windows throughout the year where there were times where the bullpen was really overused and they were coming in really early for obviously, you know, Jose Brio struggling, Mitch White struggling, Yusei Kikuchi struggling. And you just you don't want to see that, especially from a bullpen that looks to be kind of in a better spot heading into the year and of course continuing to you know be swing and miss and you know high velocity type of players uh you just you want to have everything in a better spot and I just I don't think anybody deserves to go through the Yusei Kikuchi experiment again I just it's it really truly was torture <laughs> from all of us last year and the other thing too is you want to look at a division rival 
and you look at the Yankees of what they've done to the rotation, they have five legitimate starters. Of course, the question mark with the Yankees that's going to come is the health because, of course, all of these guys basically have proven that they can't stay healthy uh, over the course of a a full season, but they have five legitimate starters, if healthy, that they're going to roll out that are really good. And Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, who they just signed, Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, and of course, Frankie Montas, who they got last year. So if those guys stay healthy, those are five legitimate starters. I just look at it and you want to try and compete with the Yankees as much as you can, because this is a team who obviously has high expectations. I just... I can't be serious with throwing out Yusei Kikuchi every five days. I would be very disappointed if it came to that. But, of course, there is a decent chance that that could be the case and the Jays stop pursuing any other pitchers or maybe they just can't get the right deal done. And uh, for me, though, I am praying that does not happen. I think majority of the fan base as well, probably all of or every single fan is hoping that is also the same case. Yeah, and you mentioned health with the Yankees. Like, health could also be a problem with the Blue Jays. You may end up in a situation, God forbid, where Chris Bassett goes down or you know, Jose Brios goes down or, you know, we saw Alec Manoa miss a couple starts. Was it last season? Or I think it was 2021 where he missed a couple starts when he like fell down that flight of stairs in Buffalo in the dugout. Like these things happen and this could be a problem for the Blue Jays. And if you get into a situation where the Blue Jays are missing one of their good four starters, then you're talking about Yusei Kikuchi and someone else, maybe Mitch White, maybe Nate Pearson, maybe it's a bullpen day every fifth day until that team or, or that player is healthy again. And so, yeah, they, they they should add another guy. I just don't know. I don't know if they have the capacity to do it in the free agent market. Um, but like you mentioned, Bryson, like there's still the catcher situation that needs to be solved. And they still got another catcher on their roster that's going to be traded, hopefully, fingers crossed. And so it could also come there. Um, but let's talk about, you know, we've been mentioning the outfield. We've been... <laughs> We've been mentioning the outfield. We've been talking about how the Blue Jays still need to do more there, but they did add Kevin Kiermeyer to the roster with a free agent deal, and this kind of came as a surprise. I don't think a lot of fans were happy about this just because of the role Kevin Kiermeyer has played in relation to the Blue Jays over the last six, seven, eight years, especially most recently with Cardgate um, in the 2022 season. Um, I... I'm also not a fan of this deal, and I think it's because the Blue Jays are adding Kevin Kiermaier as their starting center fielder. And to me, that's not right. That that doesn't solve the Blue Jays' problem, right? They took away Teoscar Hernandez, and now they are adding Kevin Kiermaier as a starting outfielder. And Kevin Kiermaier is not going to produce the same level of offense as Teoscar Hernandez, yes, he is an incredible defender, but he's also getting older. He's not as good defensively as he used to be. And I don't know if this really makes sense for the Blue Jays. I know it's cheap, but if it's cheap, I'd rather have him be a fourth outfielder and the Blue Jays go out and add someone like Brian Reynolds in a trade or, you know, one of those other options that are on the market right now. I don't know if Kevin Kiermeyer is really the best fit for where the Blue Jays are right now. And I understand you can't get everything you want in an offseason and you got to take your take your options where they come when it comes to taking a cheaper option for this so we can improve the rotation or whatever it may be. But I just don't know if Kevin Kiermaier is the right fit for the Blue Jays. And I don't know, I'm kind of disappointed that they're promising him the starting center fielder job when it seems like they should be going out and trying 
to pursue someone who is better than him to start in center field. So I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but when I first saw this deal, I thought, okay, great, he's a great fourth outfielder. And then he said that he's been told he's going to get the starting job in center field. And to me, that just that just doesn't sound right for the Blue Jays. They need to be doing something better than Kevin Kiermaier. I hate to say this, but I have a feeling that they are not going to go out and get somebody who's better. And it's, it's Jacob's a pessimist this episode. Well, no like, more starting is, is... pitchers, no more outfielders. <laughs> It's usually the opposite way. Like this is kind of <laughs> weird to whatever. Just okay. Well, go on. Yeah. Realistically, they told him he's going to be the starter. I have a feeling that they're not going to tell him that and then go out and get somebody. And be like, oh, haha, I was just kidding. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. like, I don't know. I, I think the, well, the reason why, I'll, going back to the starter that you just mentioned, the reason why I said I don't think they're going to go get another starter is because they. I mean, I don't think they're going to go get another outfielder, but I think they need to go and focus on something like the outfield, the bullpen, the infield. And well, I, I don't bottom know, I line, like... I think they they need another outfielder because yeah. right now it's Kiermaier, Gurriel, and Springer, and they don't really have a solid fourth guy. So they do need, regardless of who they add, they need to add someone to fill that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they quite literally don't have a finished outfield. Like they need another you know you're not gonna go out with just three because if somebody gets injured god forbid then might be seeing a lot of biggio in the outfield at that case but um yeah it's i think you said it 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 is and i hate to say this but it is a downgrade from teoscar hernandez you have a guy that won the silver slugger twice two years in a row hit a lot of home runs defense is a little bit shaky i know we've i mean he's had some flashy plays but sometimes it just makes you want to scratch your head this is not the upgrade that you want. It's not even, it's not even an on par move with Teoscar Hernandez. Like he, Kevin Kiermaier doesn't hit as many home runs, doesn't really hit as much just period. Yeah. His defense might still be there, but it's, I don't know. I, I think even though he said that, like, and Kevin Kiermaier said that he wants to, you know, he, he wants to basically prove that Ross Atkins is a genius for giving him that starting role. As much as I want to believe him, I just, I can't right now. And maybe I'll be eating my words. Maybe we'll all be eating our words in six, seven, eight months at this point. But it, it to, to me, it's, to, he's a fourth outfielder at this point in his career. Maybe a starting outfielder on a mid to lower tier team, but on a team that wants to win a World Series, I don't really think that you can say that Kevin Kiermaier is your starting center fielder or starting any fielder. And it's just no disrespect to him. It's just, that's where you are at this point in your career. And Blue Jays are, they're definitely making a gamble. I've, we've seen a lot of Toronto teams make a lot of gambles these last couple of of years, but we'll have to see what happens. And Bottom line, they need another outfielder guaranteed just because they don't have enough, but I would like to see it be a better outfielder and make Kevin Kiermaier be your, your bench outfielder. I'm sure you guys have seen all the jokes about him returning the lineup card and everything like that. So I, I've been... I'm fine with, I guess, seeing it. It definitely is a little funny. I obviously, I remember talking about it as well on the podcast, and I remember I was not a fan of what he did, but I'm glad he's put the past behind him. And I guess the Jays probably were obviously weren't even phased by it either. Um, We're under the indication they're going to add another bat, yes, which is why maybe this move looks a little bit better um, once, I guess, that it does happen. So I guess I'll have the unpopular opinion on this uh on this episode with you guys after hearing what both of you said I have warmed up to it a little bit in terms of bringing him in uh, to be the everyday center fielder the key word that Ross Atkins has used in the winter meetings and he still continues to use 
is run prevention. And I love it. I love the fact that Kevin Kiermeyer is the fielder that he is. And really, I know, Mark, you were, you've been saying as well, not as good as he used to be, correct? But at the same time, he is still top in the league in terms of defensive play, in terms of DRS, in terms of sprint speed. All of those numbers are still, I guess, involve Kevin Kiermaier being within the top of all of baseball. So I am still under the notion that assuming they add another outfielder or another bat, this move will look even better by the spring. The one thing I do obviously am interpreting from this as well is that this was a conversation that probably needed clearance from George Springer uh, in terms of moving him over. And I think he also said that one of his interviews, because once he was told about being that everyday center fielder, I believe he was also kind of wondering if George was okay with it. And I guess he got clearance from it. We talked about the inevitable move that George Springer is going to be spending a lot of time in right field in the future. And it seems like that's going to be the case as well, which you hope is going to be a lot easier on his body because it's been an injured injury riddled seasons for Springer the last couple of years. But of course you give him a lot of credit last year for pretty much playing most of the season with that elbow injury and really only requiring a short stint on the IL late. And uh, I believe it was in early September, late uh, in the season. So he came back and he was doing everything he could, obviously, with that bad elbow. But, you know, in terms of Kevin Kiermeyer coming over here to fulfill his purpose of being run prevention type, in terms of the Ross Atkins, the new Ross Atkins word, uh, in terms of being in the outfield, I like it because of the defense he's going to bring, because of all of that. Um, we know we're not going to get much out of him at the plate. I think it's easy for me to understand that in terms of him in the starting lineup. There's no, you know, optimistic thing where we're expecting him to accelerate his numbers. I think, obviously, he's been in the league long enough to establish who he is in terms of what you're going to get out of him from the plate, which is why I'm completely fine with it. And I know a lot of people are hopeful that this is more a Jackie Bradley Jr. type of replacement, which I guess you can kind of see the comparison. But again, we need to be uh, assuming at this point that they are going to be adding another bat in the outfield. So... I'll join that club and assume that that's going to be happening. And for the reasons of that, I like him coming in to be every day in center field for run prevention types of reasons. And um, it's easier on George Springer's body, obviously, moving over to right field. He's going to bring a lot of defense. He's going to be really good because in terms of the outfield, it's an improvement defensively because Teoscar Hernandez, as we all know, wasn't exactly the greatest outfielder as much as he got a lot better at it the last couple of years he's going to patrol center field and now this solely focuses now the Jays I guess moving on from run prevention because perhaps they've established that now and now you can fill in the void of getting another offensive bat because once again like I mentioned earlier on in the episode the Teoscar Hernandez production still has not been replaced I think a lot of that though uh, the Jays will be expecting as well is from as much as I don't want to say bounce back, it's definitely it definitely was a down season compared to what we saw in 2021, and that's a rebound from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think there's a lot of expectations that he is going to be a lot better in 2023 and kind of repeat to a sense of what he did in 2021. I'm not saying he's going to match it or exceed it, but to be better uh, than he was last year at the plate, that could have a lot to do with as well, replacing the, uh, the void of Teoscar Hernandez and... One more bat is what they desperately need as well. Of course, right now you're looking at left field and you pretty much have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. You have Whit Merrifield there. Jacob, you mentioned it. Kevin Bijou is always an option as well in the outfield. They definitely do need another bat, and I think they know that. There's a couple of good names that are still out there, and of course there's the whole Brian Reynolds topic. And I think over the last couple of days as well, there's been a lot of Michael Conforto talk, which could potentially pay off, but of course 
this is a guy coming off an injury-riddled season where he didn't play at all. So there's a bit of a risk in that in terms of um, investing in a Michael Conforto or bringing him in. But of course, the payoff uh, of it could be huge because we know that when he was with the Mets, of course, a couple years ago, he was really uh, good at the play. And he almost hit, I think he hit nearly 30 home runs in 2021. So he had a really good season on that. But because of the purpose of run prevention, the Ross Atkins word, I'm going to keep saying it. It's my new favorite word. I think Kevin Kiermeyer checks all the boxes with that, and I'm glad that he will be returning the lineup card to Alejandro Kirk or one of the catchers because, of course, there's a chance that Kirk is one of the catchers that's traded, of course, in the lovely debate of which catcher is going to get traded. So I'm excited for those reasons alone to fulfill his purpose. We're not expecting him to be an all-star in terms of at the plate, but if he can help this team out defensively, the Jays can bring in another solid at, or solid bat. I think this move will look better by spring training if that all works out. The run prevention is important. I'm not denying that, and Kevin Kiermeyer does provide that to the Blue Jays, and that's what I like about this deal, and that's why I think he's a perfect fit as a fourth outfielder, as a defensive replacement late in the game where you need someone solid defensively in center field because ultimately, like, if I'm trying to choose, like, would I rather have a ball hit to, in this hypothetical situation, Kevin Kiermeyer in center field or if Teoscar Hernandez was still with the Blue Jays, Teoscar Hernandez in right field, I'm picking Kevin Kiermeyer a hundred times out of a hundred. He is 100% a better defender than Teoscar Hernandez. I just think the Blue Jays still need that offensive production. And I will say the latest quote we got from Ross Adkins, he did mention, I think a new phrase. I don't know if you've heard him say this phrase before, but he said that run creation is now seen as the next layer of improvement. So we've we've moved on from run prevention. (laughs) And now we're talking about run creation. And I agree. I think run creation is what the Blue Jays need now that they have Kevin Kiermaier. And again, Kevin Kiermaier by himself, I think would be good. I just disagree with the fact that he's being seemingly, at least to us, it seems like he's getting past the the starting center field role on a golden platter. And I don't think he deserves that at this point in his career. And I don't think the Blue Jays should be doing that because I think they can still improve in center field. And I think Michael Conforto would be a great guy to improve in the outfield. I know it's kind of a flyer type player. There's a lot of if, ands, or buts with him because you don't totally know what he's going to be next season because he hasn't played in so long. But he's the type of offensive guy that could add a lot of value to the Blue Jays. So I wouldn't... I I guess I'm okay with Kevin Kiermeyer entering the season as a starting center fielder, but I think it's something he's got to earn. I don't want it to be given to him on a golden platter. I want the Blue Jays to bring in some other guys like Michael Conforto, like... I don't know if Brian Reynolds is in that conversation. If they got Brian Reynolds, he would probably be given the starting center field position. But I want there to be competition. I don't want Kevin Kiermaier to be given that role on whatever day it was he had his press conference, December 15th or whatever it was. Like He shouldn't be given that role in the middle of December when you still got two months of the offseason left. So that's the part of this that I think I disagree with the most and the fact that I, I just don't think Kevin Kiermaier is getting any better right he's just had his age 32 season last year he had an OPS plus of 89 like he's not getting any better that that's probably who he's going to be for the next few years and if the Blue Jays are hoping to get more offensive production out of him next year I think they're probably gonna be wrong and be unlucky and, and he's not gonna be that good so that's where I stand on Kevin Kiermaier I just wish the Blue Jays weren't giving him that position right now. Maybe they aren't. Maybe Kevin Kiermaier was just said something in his press conference that the Blue Jays hadn't told him. I don't know. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But that's the part of this that I disagree with the most. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Bryson, or 
Jacob. Well, I just want to quickly say, because I was the most negative about this whole thing. Oh, my God. I, like when I after listening to you guys. <laughs> but no, the whole run prevention thing. Totally agree with that. He's definitely an upgrade over over Teoscar Hernandez. Problem is, is he's not an upgrade offensively. And yeah, you can, in theory, take a bit away from the offense to improve the defense and the run prevention. But that being said, if there's anything that we've seen over the, you know, the playoffs really is that you need offense. And I'm just speaking playoffs because that's when you're going to face the best teams. Game one, four nothing. I mean, yeah, whatever. They got shut out, but <laughs> you, do, you can't really you blame game two. You also need run prevention like game two. Exactly, game two. But, <laughs> you, you know, even just not even... You keep bringing it up. You keep no, bringing not, this up. Not even Blue Jays. Just you look at the rest of it. Like the, the whole league, even in the World Series, like there were a lot of close games that were just barely won or, you know, even... You know, Basically, look, you need defense and run prevention is important, but there's only so much that you can take away from the offense before eventually it becomes too weak to compete for a World Series. And I'm not saying Kevin Kiermaier is the worst option. I just, I would like to see something else as well. You know what the best run prevention is? A better pitching staff. You say Kikuchi, Sayang. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think we understood that one, yes. But yeah, you're right. Run prevention also translates to pitching. So it's kind of a complex word when you think of it because it's not strictly defense. It also includes that. Like, yeah, like I'm I'm talking as if they're going to bring somebody else in. But if that doesn't happen, then of course this, this deal isn't going to look as – or it won't look good at all uh, in spring training. I think a lot of people are going to be pretty disappointed with that. But the, the one thing that still remains as we still – or we as we enter the final – couple weeks of 2022 is that there's still lots of areas that they have to improve on we've talked about it now in terms of pitching uh in terms of getting that at bat and because of course there's the whole Michael Conforto thing like we were talking about and there's the whole catching thing that we've talked about you know the other thing I do wonder is if they're gonna still try and upgrade the bullpen I don't I know it's definitely in a better spot than it was last year but I don't think you can ever get too much uh, or too many pitches for your bullpen and you know, there's been, I've seen a lot of buzz, no, no like legitimate reports, but a lot of buzz of, you know, throwing out a hypothetical of, you know, the Jays going out and trading for Liam Hendricks. I don't know if you've seen that or yet, Mark, or not, and maybe that could be something that's included in a deal that ships off one of the catchers if you bring somebody like that in, or if, you know, the Jays ship off a catcher and bring in another relief pitcher. You know, I just, I wonder how solidified the bullpen is, and I think that, Maybe it's something that as much as they get Eric Swanson and then now they're pivoting, they pivot to the rotation. Now they're going to prevent to run creation. At the same time, I do wonder if they have any more final bullpen moves that they have up their sleeve because I definitely could see that happening. I just don't know exactly who, but I guess that's something to kind of end off with on that one just because I still wonder about that one a little bit. And, you know, bringing in a guy like Liam Hendricks or whoever obviously would be pretty solid with the rotation who's already had a couple stints here. So I don't know if you've seen the same buzz as I've seen, but it's something that I think is getting spoken about a lot in terms of still having another relief pitcher possibly come over in some sort of trader uh, signing. There's not a chance in hell that they get Liam Hendricks. I'm sorry. That's the most <laughs> bizarre, wild, dumb rumor I've heard this offseason. Like, it just makes zero sense. I, it makes sense for the Blue Jays, but money-wise, zero sense whatsoever. Zero sense to that. Danny Jansen for Liam Hendricks? Played. I do Don't not even put that, that into the universe. I know the White Sox were connected with the Blue Jays catching yeah, Okay, so you've I, seen it, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've seen the buzz. It makes zero sense. And I, I, maybe I'll <laughs> eat my words on this. I think it's the dumbest rumor I've seen this offseason. It's just, it makes zero sense. Just connect the dots and it makes zero sense. Like, I know I was very wrong about Ross Stripling and what he would sign for. 
But this, I am very, very confident that this is never going to happen. Because if you've seen the way the Blue Jays front office operates, they are not going to make a deal like this. Um, Okay, the last thing we want to mention before we sign off is to talk about Steve Cohen a little bit in the New York Mets. I know this doesn't totally relate to the Blue Jays. We'll tie it back a little bit to the Blue Jays. But speaking of the way that front offices operate, Steve Cohen's going crazy right now. The Mets are going crazy right now. They are set, I think, I think this is right, they're set to have the highest payroll of any North American sports team in history. I think that's right. I'm not, I'm not confident on that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere, which is just bizarre. So much money being spent this offseason. And the way this does kind of tie back to the Blue Jays is that they are pricing a lot of teams out on a lot of these free agents. Like the, the Giants are one thing. They were willing to commit more money to Carlos Correa before the whole medical issue came up and, you know, whether it was actually a medical issue or the front office slash ownership just backed out on the deal, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about there, but the Mets are pricing a lot of teams out and where this relates to the Blue Jays is the fact that, you know, they were in on Brandon Nimmo and then they got priced out by the Mets and they were in on Justin Verlander and then they got priced out by the Mets. So the Mets are kind of pushing a lot of teams out of the conversation for a lot of top free agents. Um, and I just find it really interesting. I think, Steve, I don't know whether it's good for baseball or not, but Steve Cohen's definitely changing the way that front offices operate, at least right now. We'll see whether it's sustainable. We'll see whether it's successful. But um, it's definitely the most entertaining thing happening in baseball right now. Tell you what, Steve Cohen is going out and spending an entire country's GDP only to be the second best team in the NL East. So, I don't know. No, I'm what, what, what we're seeing is it's definitely very exciting. It almost reminds me, and it's not the same, but it almost kind of reminds me of how basketball operates is you'll have one star player go to a team and be like, hey, everybody come here. Like LeBron saying, what, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. I know he's not the, uh, Westbrook's not the best anymore, but you know what I mean? Like he'll just recruit players or whatever. And that's, it definitely is a little bit it is funny to watch, not funny, but like it's cool to watch to see a team like the Mets go from not the greatest to now surprisingly one of like the greatest teams in the league and probably one of probably if not the best like top three for sure. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if you're a Mets fan, this has just been the it's been just one long off season of Christmas presents, and I couldn't like if this was the Blue Jays, I think we'd all be ecstatic about it, but. It'll be interesting to see how it actually plays out because, you know, you, you people have mentioned the injury problems about some of these players. Like, I know Verlander just won a Cy Young, but he is aging. Is his contract going to look good? I know it's only a couple years, but we'll have to see if it works out. And ultimately, we could be eating our words because this team could be good for a very long time. But it is cool. Like, I, I wonder, we've seen this throughout the last maybe four or five off seasons where players are signing like decade long extensions. Now we're seeing Steve Cohen go out and just spend a ridiculous amount of money. Not even just this offseason, but last offseason. I'm wondering what the ripple effects will be just around baseball in general. Like, is this going to be something where new GMs come in or new owners or whatever come out and do these things similar to him? Or they just go out and just stack up on players? Like, we'll have to see. I think it, it definitely is maybe a bit of a turning point in baseball. Like, how are things going to look? Like, how how does free agency in the offseason and everything work? two or three years down the line after seeing what potentially could be a, a juggernaut super team from the Mets. Yeah. I mean, I see the comparison you make uh, in terms of basketball. I just, 
the and it, this always just establishes baseball being its own thing because of course a lot of that is like recruitment and come play with me and building super teams. This is strictly just Steve Cohen throwing out his wallet and checkbook and just bringing in, and that's his recruitment, just in, insanely paying these guys, and it's worked. I mean, maybe not on the field yet, but in terms of getting guys, it has worked. And you look at what they did, of course, the whole Carlos Correa situation. And I remember jokingly said it to one of my friends uh, after we saw the report or the, the physical thing with the Giants. I said, Steve, or the Mets are going to snoop in and get Carlos Correa. I said it as a joke, but it turned out obviously to be right. But it's just he the the point of that or the whole I guess of why I'm saying that is that he's established the reputation now of just that guy who's going to go in and he does not give a crap uh, to say the least about any sort of money. And he flat out said it too that he made a commitment to fans and you know he's dealt with money all of his life in terms of having too much and he really doesn't care and it's not an issue to him. This was something that held up to bring back old memories. To, help, to hold up CBA talks to include a Steve Cohen tax, but what's the point of it if he doesn't care about it and he's just going to exceed it? So I don't know in future deals if there's going to be a higher Steve Cohen tax or not, but to in any way to combat this. But the problem is because of how the sport is built, I don't necessarily believe there's a way to stop it. Like, in, you know, we talk about salary caps in other sports. Again, we know how baseball is different from all of that. I don't necessarily think you can stop it. And and the only guy that really could is Steve Cohen. And he's pretty much established that, again, he does not care. And you look at their payroll, um, I believe it's going to be around... It's going to be around a couple hundred million. I think it's five hundred million, or it's going to be something like that. Yeah, but the I think point it's is, just shy of five hundred. It's like yeah. four eighty-five or something like that. And the crazy part is, though, is the luxury tax payments they have to make, and I think that's over a hundred million now in terms of what they pay. That's higher than about ten teams' payroll in terms of what they're paying for their luxury tax. So those are obviously, you know, the teams like the Pirates and the Rays, you know, teams that don't spend a lot, and of course who are currently in the middle of a rebuild, and you know, it does connect to the Jays in a way because the one thing that we've noticed over the last couple of years and even the Jays pursuing a George Springer or a Kevin Gosman is that it appears that everything that we've we've known of of course we don't have any confirmation on it but the the indication that we've all gotten is that with the Jays getting these guys is that it's always come down to the Jays or the Mets and the Jays are a team who have committed to spending more but of course I don't think anybody and it's been proven again that anyone can match Steve Cohen right now in terms of that and then it relates to Brandon Nimmo this uh, offseason and of course they've made tons of moves we know how much uh, they're loaded of course on their depth chart they replaced Jacob deGrom with Justin Verlander in a matter of a couple days like it was nothing to them so it's just I was going to ask you guys that though and Mark you kind of answered it already but if it was, if you guys thought it was good for the game, I know the Steinbrenners uh, over with the Yankees. I think it was George that said something yesterday about, you know, it's got to be checked. And I think a lot of people now are getting a little bit angry. But you know, I was, get, I, I'll relay it to you, Jacob. If you have any thoughts, though, if if you truly think Steve Cohen um, is good for this game or not, but it, you just look at the numbers that they've spent and. It has just been ludicrous, and there's no care in the world. He's basically treating a team like he. I guess has turned everything off on easy or like no sort of, I guess, money, you know, constraint or no limit in terms of that. He's doing anything you can to build 
any sort of super team strictly with money that he does not care about. And I still, you know, I, I do wonder if you guys or what you guys think about that in terms of if he's good for the game or not. But it's just you seeing the luxury tax payments they have and knowing that that's higher than over 10 teams' payroll, that's like absolutely ridiculous in terms of what they've been getting. But being a Mets fan right now, as much as they've had their woes on, on the field, you know, having talking about content, having a fun offseason. I mean, I don't think it gets better than being a Mets fan right now in terms of the offseason. See, I don't know. Like, as a baseball fan, it's definitely fun to watch to see somebody do this. But at the same time, can, hypothetically, say the Mets win like four straight World Series or like they're consistently up there, like kind of like the Golden State Warriors. Eventually, you're going to be like, okay, this is no fun. Like, nobody cares. Like, I think there was like three straight... NBA finals where it was Cleveland and Golden State and I'm not saying baseball is the same as that but if in theory we just like we basically only ever see the Astros in the championship series and the World Series and then the Mets on the opposite championship and World Series eventually it'll be like okay like it's no fun to be a, a fan of any other team even no matter how good you are like the Blue Jays won two seasons in a row 90 plus games I know they didn't have playoff success it's not the point but you know, like, you don't want to be a good team that's just, oh, you can't beat the Mets because Steve Cohen went out and, and just spent so much money. And I, I don't know. I think really, realistically, the only way to truly stop him, and I don't think this will happen, is to have some type of salary cap. Because realistically, like, what are you going to do? Say, Steve Cohen, please don't spend money. He's going to say, screw you. I'll spend whatever I want because I can. And the thing is, is this the whole salary cap... I, now they think about it, I don't think there's going to be a salary cap because of the way baseball is structured right now. Like you can't say to, oh, like say there was a salary cap, like the Mets are going to definitely be over it already. Like what are you going to do? Say trade half your roster? So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think this is going to take a couple seasons to really have some type of answer for it because it, Steve Cohen's just going absolutely crazy, and he's I don't know. All I will say. It'll be even funnier to watch the Braves win the AL, the NL East, and it'll be even funnier to watch the Mets lose in the wild card or, or in the division or championship series. Are they the best team in New York, though? Yes. <sighs> yeah, they're one hundred percent better than no. the Yankees. No, yeah, they're they're not I better agree. than the Yankees. Or sorry, they are better than the oh, Yankees. Okay. I was gonna say the Yankees aren't better, but yeah. <laughs> the part of this that I find the most funny is that. It's hard to just directly buy wins in baseball. Like it's harder than other leagues. That you like you bring up like comparisons to like the NBA and stuff. Like it's not as simple as that. The you can build a team without spending money in baseball, and spending money doesn't guarantee that you're going to win. And it's less of a correlation than in other leagues. So I think it's going to be wild if he spends all this money, and you know whatever ten months from now the Mets are eliminated in the wild card again. Like, that is going to be hilarious. And we're all going to enjoy that as baseball fans just because it's going to be so much fun watching that from the outside looking in. And, of course, the Mets are a cursed organization, so I wouldn't be surprised if that <laughs> happened. But, yeah, it's I don't think we'll ever see a salary cap, not only because of what you were mentioning, Jacob, but also because the MLBPA is one of, if not the most powerful uh, players unions in professional sports and I don't think we're going to see them buckle on something that they've stood up to so ardently in the past so I don't know where we go from here but it's definitely very very interesting to watch um, okay well we can wrap it up there thank you to everyone who listened to this episode as always you can support our podcast on patreon that's patreon.com slash section 138 pod you can find us on 
social media. That's Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Section138Pod to stay up to date with everything we are doing and all the episodes we're putting out. And then you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing. Um, Okay, it's our last episode, barring any dramatic news before Christmas and the holidays. So I wish everyone a happy holidays and we will catch you either in the week after Christmas or in the new year to talk about some new Blue Jay news as we count down the days to spring training, which is about less than two months away now as we record this. So we're looking forward to it. All right. Happy holidays. It's the most wonderful time of the Mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful.